you don't know me, my name is Eli Garza. I have the privilege of, of being the pastor for student, uh, discipleship for students and young adults. And I'm so excited. I hope you're staying warm. I hope you bundled up and enjoyed the weather. I know I did yesterday. I got to play a round of golf with Pastor Julio. Don't ask us how we did, but, but ask us about the weather and we'll tell you it was absolutely phenomenal. We praise God for this weather. I'm so excited because we've been in a series about re-engaging the church and what that looks like. But more specifically this morning, we're going to talk about gathering and specifically the worship at when we gather. And I truly believe that this series, that this uh, mini-series on worship is going to really convict us and impact us in a way that we truly need right now. I believe that it's important that as we gather to worship, that we're reminded of who we worship, why we worship, and how we worship our one true king, our God, our redeemer, with, who has full authority. And I pray that we would be a church that would continue to recognize who our God is. If you have your Bibles with you, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 through 29. Now, if you follow sports at all, you may have heard of the name of Tom Brady. And for some of you, you hear that name and it makes you shudder. Or for some of you, you hear that name and you rejoice. Well, in more recent news, Tom Brady has recently has announced his retirement from the game of football. Tom Brady, yay. <laughs> Caught me off guard, I'm sorry. So Tom Brady has announced his retirement from football. And, and we're seeing all these people post. Tom Brady more recently was a quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and of the New England Patriots. He's won seven Super Bowls, which is more than my Dallas Cowboys. He's broken many records. He has more touchdowns than anybody, I believe. And all these people are posting, even those that don't watch football know who Tom Brady is, and they're posting about him on Instagram, Facebook, and social media. They're saying, man, Tom Brady was so great. He was a person that knew how to win. He was a person that was a team player that rooted for his teammates that was there for his teammates he was a person that just spoke to us and made us work hard he was great and they're talking about all these accolades and all these amazing things that Tom Brady was and in a sense they are worshiping Tom Brady right and in reality I do believe that every single one of us in the room worships something or someone whether we think it or not and the question is well who is it or what is it that we worship because more than, than anything, more than Tom Brady, we worship a God who is great, who's greater than Tom Brady, who has a much better history than Tom Brady, more history than Tom Brady's existence, who actually created Tom Brady, and you know, we forgive him for that. But in reality is that we worship a God who is powerful and mighty. To define worship really quickly, it comes from the word worth and ship. That is to display the worth of something. So when we worship God, we're displaying the worth of who he is. You may know John Piper. He says this, worship is what we were created for. This is the final end of all existence, the worship of God. God created the universe so that it would display the worth of his glory. And he created us so that we would see this glory and reflect it by knowing and loving it with all our hearts and soul and mind and strength. The church needs to build a common vision. We, Calvary, need to build a common vision of what worship is and what she is gathering to do on Sunday morning and scattering to do on Monday morning. What a powerful 
quote that is, we are gathering on a Sunday morning church to remember who our God is. And we're called to scatter on a Monday morning to tell the world of that, of the great news of Jesus. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 through 29 says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. We need to remember that when we come to worship our God, we worship a God in awe. When you think of the word awe, you may think of maybe specific moments in your life when you were filled with awe and wonder and those moments that maybe pushed you to the point of tears that you were so overwhelmed with emotion and joy that you had to just, you know, respond or express that in some form or manner. And through that is tears, through that is lifting your hands, through that is singing, whatever it is, that moment of awe struck a chord in you emotionally. And that is what having awe is all about, is a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder, with fear or wonder. Paul Tripp says, God created an awesome world. God intentionally loaded the world with amazing things to leave you astounded. The carefully air-conditioned termite mounds in Africa, the tart crunchiness of an apple, the explosion of thunder, the beauty of an orchid, the interdependent systems of the human body, the inexhaustible pounding of the ocean waves and thousands of other created sights, sounds, touches, and tastes. God designed it all to be awesome. And he intended you to be daily amazed. When was the last time that you stood in awe of God? When was the last time you went to the beach and just stood on the edge and looked out to the ocean, heard the rolling thunders of the waves, the seagulls in the air? When was the last time you looked at a plant and said, man, that plant came from a small seed that was planted and nurtured and watered and it grew and it grew into something that produces fruit and vegetables that we should eat, that I should be eating more of, that, that we would worship a God who created this. When was the last time you looked at your hands, your fingertips, and thought about all the intricacies of the human body, the things that need to work together so that we could breathe, so that we could live? When was the last time that you contemplated on that, that you stood in awe of our God. And what is this pointing to? Well, it's all pointing to him, to a God who is great, a God of intelligent design, a God that has purpose for every single detail that he himself has set in motion. So much greater that it should compel us to stand even more, to kneel in awe and wonder of who he is. The last time that I can remember standing in awe of anything or an experience of, of awe was the day of my wedding. If you don't know, this past December, I got married and it's been a blessing. We've been married a little bit over a month now and, and people often ask me, hey, what was, what was the thing that you remember the most about your wedding? And honestly, I can't remember much because that day 
was a blur. And if you're married, you can go back to the day that you got married and you may remember that that day is probably filled with craziness, right? Trying to get people on time, making sure that, that, that everybody's there in the first place, that the broom and the bride are there, the broom, the groom and the bride are there, right? Making sure that the groomsmen are there, the bridesmaids, we have photos, video, everything's okay. And I'm chilling just like, okay, I'm, I'm here, right? But everybody's freaking out. But the things that I remember the most uh, was number one was the food, okay? If you don't know, I, I, I married a, a Filipino woman who's beautiful and amazing, and, and, it, and we had a nice blend of, of uh, Mexican and Filipino food. But, but not only did I receive a great wife, I received a great family, and I'm not just saying that because my sister-in-law's in the room. I truly believe and love them so much. They've blessed us so much, more than I could ever imagine or even could have thought of that in-laws could bless you. And I remember the food and everybody was talking about, oh, it was so delicious. We had hot Cheetos with cheese for crying out loud. Now that's Valley. If you know Valley, you got hot Cheetos and cheese at your wedding, then you know, man, that's a bumping wedding, right? My brother-in-law said, oh, there's only two things that people care about at a wedding, food and having a good time. Did you have that? Yes, then it was a great wedding. Another thing that I remember was the moment that my wife knocked down the sparkling cider and, and we looked down and just splashed in her face in the middle of our speech and so we were sticky the rest of the night. But the one thing that I remember the most out of all of that was the first time that I saw my bride in her dress. If you know me, I'm an emotional human being, okay? I cry for anything, okay? But I was determined that on this day, I was not going to shed a tear. I was going to stand like strong and firm because there's cameras pointing at me. And I'm going to make sure that I just look and I can keep it together. Well, that obviously did not happen. Because as soon as the curtains were revealed and my wife was there, I'm just bawling. And it was like the ugly cry. It was like that cry where it's like, man, this better not be on camera. And it was like, I was trying so hard because I, I didn't want to like, you know, look weak or whatnot. But then if you keep, you know, a lot of that emotion inside, eventually something's going to come out. And what came out was really weird noises, right? The, where I couldn't breathe, the, right? Like, and then I'm freaking out because I'm like, oh man, is that going to come out in the audio now? And, and my best man's behind me like, hey dude, hey, keep it together, man. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, man. It's just so beautiful, right? And, and the thought, the wonder, the awe that I had of my bride, the fact that she's choosing willingly to walk down the aisle. Don't ask her if she'd do it again, but in that moment, she knew what she was doing and she was choosing to marry me. And all people were wondering the same thing, why, right? <laughs> but I didn't care. But I was reminded of something. In the same way, our Lord and Savior Jesus is gonna come for his bride. And that bride is the church. My question for us, will we be ready? Will we stand in awe and wonder that somebody would come down from his throne to live amongst us and choose us to have a relationship with, church? Amidst the fact that we don't want him, he wants us. He's coming down, walking down the aisle saying, I choose you for the rest of my life. I choose, you, I choose to give you life forever and ever. Will we be ready to see a God who is calling us and allowing us to stand before him and worship him 
because of who he is. When was the last time that you stood in awe? But not only are we called to stand in awe and worship God in awe, but we worship God in reverence. That is to regard with deep respect, to understand that this God is not to be toyed with, that he's righteous, that he's holy and scary. When you think of the lion in the African jungle, right? You're not gonna run to it because he'll devour you in a moment. But maybe you'll admire it from afar and say, man, that's, that's such a majestic beast. And maybe if you're lucky, it'll allow you to come into his presence, maybe feed it a little bit, but you're not gonna touch it. Don't you dare touch it, lest you wanna lose an arm. And that same fear that you would have for a lion, even more you should have for the Lord. The same fear that we have of things in this earth, we should have more fear for our God who is holy and just and righteous. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And here's my concern. It's not that we don't have knowledge of the Holy One. I think we do a good job of singing and rejoicing songs that declare his goodness, declare who he is and whatnot. But my question that we have is, do we have the wisdom that would remind us to worship God in reverence and not mistakenly enter his presence without first affirming his power and dominion? That just like the lion, we would revere his jungle, which in this case is in the entire universe, and that if we're lacking wisdom, then maybe the bigger problem is that we're lacking the fear of the Lord that leads to wisdom. But again, I'm not talking about a fear where you should run away because our God is big and scary, but a fear that would draw us to him because of his great power and because of his holy and righteous stature, but in reverence. One of the things that concerns me the most about being in student ministry is learning about the statistics in, in our Generation Z and, and young adults and whatnot. And I'm asking myself because there is a number, there's a high, uh, a number that is raised, uh, I'm sorry, there is a high number of young adults in Generation Z that are choosing to leave the faith. Our students or young adults are choosing to no longer, in a sense, have reverence for our God, no longer follow him, they'd rather make TikToks and do what they want and fight for justice and whatever it is. That's what, that's what they'd rather do. And I'm asking myself, well, why are they leaving? What is going down? Why won't they bow down to a God? Some statistics here. Out of 69 million, 69 million children and teens, only 4% have a biblical worldview. That means that 66,240,000 teens either don't have a biblical view or may not even know who Jesus is. Teens ages of 13 through 18 years old are twice as likely to say that they're atheists than adults. Three in five teenagers will identify as Christian. And I'm, and I'm talking about identify. I don't care if you identify as Christian. I want to know if you're living out as one. Why is this happening? Do they not know our God? Do they not know that one day they're going to have to stand before a judge and give an account of their life 
and that our God will judge them accordingly to who they are. And if they're not found in Jesus, then, then they won't be in his presence at all. And I'm asking myself, well, why is this happening, right? We're, well, we have a church, we have a student ministry, we, we've done outreaches, we've, we've, we've done what we could. I believe our parents are, are you know, great parents and whatnot, but, but then I look at some more statistics and it says this. When we talk about gathering as the church and the relevancy it is to our lives, 59% of Gen Zers say, no, it's, it's not relevant to our lives. Along with that, 46% of Christians agree with that statement. The gathering of church is not relevant to our life today. 46% of believers, 48% of Gen Zers would say that they can find God elsewhere. They can find him somewhere else. They don't need to gather in corporate worship or be a part of a church. That's 48%, right? 61% of Christians would say the same thing. More than our Gen Zers, that they could find God somewhere else. The one place that the Holy Spirit should be moving the most and seeing the most fruit within the gathering of the church of believers who have, are saying have been redeemed by Jesus, yet our Christians are saying that, no, 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 we don't have to do that. We can, we can find God somewhere else. It doesn't matter. We don't need to gather. It's not commanded or whatnot. 61% of Christians, have we all lost the reverence of our God? Every single one of us in this building and remind ourselves that no, the church is not a building, but it's a group of people who love, who claim to love and have surrendered their lives to Jesus. Have we lost the reverence? Do we not remember that our God is holy and justice and righteous? That we will also have to give an account that just because we're a part of a church means that we're not gonna have to give an account? No, that all these things that are being taught to our children, to our teenagers, that this is not the way that it's supposed to be, that all this justice and, and morality that you seek and wanting the world to be a better place, that it's not rooted in other human beings, but that the moral tug and desire of justice that you have is given to us by the one who is just and moral because of who he is. You want justice and morality, yet you ignore the one who embodies both? It makes no sense to me. And what, but, but why? why? What is going on? Do they not know this? And maybe we do have reverence in this room, and that's great, but we need to turn that into action. I have a friend who said our students are being discipled. The question is by who or by what? And right now they're being discipled by social media, other people, influencers, that's who they're, they're worshiping. That's who they're listening to. That's who they have reverence for. Where is the church? Where are our older generations that are willing to disciple our younger generations? If I were to ask your children, hey, do your parents reflect a life that is of reverence to the God who is holy and justice? Is your parents reflecting a fear to God? Do they reflect that? What would your answer be? Where is the church? But maybe the question is not who's discipling our children. Maybe the, we start with who's discipling us? Where are we worshiping? 
and believing that we are to have reverence and awe for? Is it the same thing as our students? I pray that it's not. I pray that it's rooted in who God is in his scripture. Maybe it starts with us. Are we living a life of worship and reverence to the Lord? And lastly, when, when we worship, we need to be reminded that we worship a God who is a consuming fire. And here's my fear, that we often approach our God with our own preferences. Maybe you're great at standing in awe of God. Maybe you have a great way of worshiping him in awe. Maybe you're able to lift your hands so easily and just praise him and sing to him and just cry and weep and kneel and you have this amazing experience within your soul and that's great, hey, praise God. But my fear is that you forget that there's another side of him. If you only make this consuming fire a God who's just filled with awe and said, oh yes, I love you, my child, come to me, whatever. If you go near that, you're gonna get burned. Because not only are you to worship God with awe, but you're to worship God with reverence. He is a consuming fire. But on the same, on the other side, if you have reverence for God, pray, hey, praise that, amen. But my worry is that you've turned reverence into legalism. And that while you think that you have reverence for the Lord, you're building steps or barriers that say, I can't go near him because I haven't done this. I don't look like this. But in the same way, God is saying, wait, wait, wait. Hey, thank you for having reverence for me. But I want you to draw near still because I'm the only one that can change you, transform you, give you life. But yet you're afraid to even be in my presence. That's not love. That's not who I am. Yes, I'm righteous and just and holy but I'm also loving and kind and merciful. We are to approach him with awe and reverence, both at the same time. Reverence isn't just knowing, reverence is knowing and coming with a humility and the understanding that God is loving and kind and is wanting you to come as you are. Matthew chapter 15, verses eight through nine says this. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. And that is so scary to me to think that I could be worshiping my God with my lips, with my actions, but that my heart would be far from him. This would all just be a show to make sure that people think that I have reverence and awe for him. No, church, I pray that that's not where we're at today. And if we are, then we need to repent and believe that it's time for a change. If you know me, or my, a little bit of my, my story, I grew up in a charismatic, with a background, charismatic background, I grew up in a church that I'm, I was, I'm very blessed and happy to be a part of a, a church in my younger days that knew how to worship God well, that knew how to worship him with like a great experience and, and, and emotion and, and you know, the worship was great and uplifting and we could lift our hands and cry out to the Lord, sing and, 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 and dance maybe and just, you know, have a true experience with the Lord of awe and wonder. Like, like I'm grateful for that, for that background. But then as I came to college, I became more theological and doctrinal because I started reading my Bible and my brothers and sisters would challenge me and I would read my Bible more and soon enough I found myself on the other side of the spectrum which was full of reverence 
and wanting to worship God with doctrine and theology, making sure that every song we sang was theologically, theologically correct, that there was no false teaching, that if this one word would be taken out, because if not, we're not going to sing it, because that's not, we got we to gotta worship God in reverence and, and make sure that everything's fine. No heresy allowed when we sing. That's who I became. But then I realized something, that even on both sides of the picture, that it was all about my own preference of worship. That while I thought it was leaning towards him, in reality it was leaning towards me and what I desired, what I thought was good. And my fear is that maybe some of us are doing that right now. But we're forgetting that it's not about us, but it's about him and who he is. See, I'm a recovering legalist, and at the same time, I love and believe firmly that, yes, we do need a theological framework to worship God. It's important. But at the same time, to have the awe and wonder of his love where we can come together and worship a God who is love, who has sent his son for us to pay the sins of the world, we can rejoice in that and celebrate. We can party for that. We can be happy. We can smile, church, and know that Jesus, the creator, loves us and came to die for us. That's, a good, that's good news. Be happy about it. Uh, me and my wife had COVID a few weeks ago. It wasn't fun. And we did what we had to do. We, we couldn't go outside. And so we stayed indoors. We quarantined. And, you know, we, we watched Netflix. Uh, I would put on a sporting event because, as I mentioned, I'm a huge sports fan. And we just, you know, be careful. We eat soup, right? We would stay hydrated just to get better. As I was getting better, I realized that there was something that was weighing really, really heavy in my heart. And I didn't know what it was. I was tired of being quarantined. I wanted to go out. And everything just seemed so bland to me. And, I, and I'm talking to my wife and I'm saying, Jack, there's, there's, something, there's something that's bothering me. Like, like, I am not okay. Like, I don't feel good. And I'm not just talking about physically, but, but spiritually, there's something that's eating at me and I have no idea what it is but it's bothering me so much. And so we tried to turn on Netflix and nothing appealed to me. I was not interested in the shows. Tried to watch a football game and that became even boring. And then I really got worried. I said, man, is this a symptom of, of COVID? Because if I can't watch a football game, this, this is a real, real problem. Why is this so boring to me? Why am I not interested in this? What is going on? Everything so mundane. Nothing was giving me joy or I had no emotion. I, I'm like, what is, what do I do? And so I, I talked to my wife, hey, we need to pray because there's something. We need to pray. And so we pray together and we're praying. And I'm saying, Lord, help me be a better husband. Help me be a better leader, a better pastor, a better brother. Help me to be these things so that I can glorify you, God, so that I can be a, a great disciple and a disciple maker. And we pray, and then that night I couldn't sleep. Stayed up probably two, three in the morning. Finally, I got maybe a couple hours of sleep and woke up the next morning around five or six. Still couldn't sleep. Every, it was still weighing really heavy on my heart. I said, okay, I'm going to take my dog out for a walk. And before I do that, I put in my, my headphones and I, and I do something I haven't done in a while. I, I play worship music, but not the doctrinal and theological side ones, but just something that was more common, more well-known, and I play a song that, that is very well known. 
And within the first 10 seconds, I'm just bawling my eyes out. And I'm telling you, I don't remember the last time I had an experience like that with the Lord. It had been years since I had an experience where I really truly felt that God was, was with me, that I could feel him. And I'm crying and I'm wondering, wait, what is going on, God? Like, 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 you're here. I know you're here. This is so different, man. I have, and it felt so good because it had been such a long time since I had experienced that. And as I'm listening to the song, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but, but for some reason this song was just like resonating with me. Like every word of this song was just speaking to me, right? It was like the lyrics were, where will you run my soul? And I'm there like, oh my gosh, where's my soul going to run? Where are you going to go, soul? Right? And I'm crying to the Lord. And then it goes, where will you go when wells run dry? And I'm like, my, my wells are dry, God. What do I do? Like, this is, this is scaring me because it's exactly what's going on. And then it goes, when the wind starts to blow, how will you keep this flame alive? And I said, God, that's it. My flame, it's, it's, it's fading. It's going out. How am I going to keep it alive? And so I run home and, and, and I open my devotional and this verse comes up and it's in Psalms 27, 8. And I have never in my life seen the Lord answer a prayer this quickly. But it says this, it says, my heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. In that moment, I was reminded of who the God we worship is. It was the complete opposite of what I prayed for. I asked to be a better leader, a better husband, a better pastor for him. But it was like God was telling me, hey, that's great, that's awesome, but can you just seek my face for a season? Can you just, just look at me for a moment to remember who I am? That while I think it's great what you want to do, what's more important is that you look at me. Can you seek me just for a season and remind yourself, who, who, are, who am I? And it hit me that we were created, our hearts were created to seek his face so that we could worship him for who he is. And who is he? He is Elohim. God, judge, creator. He's Yahweh, Lord Jehovah. He is El Elyon, the most high God. El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. Adonai, Lord Master. Can we have a high view of God, church? Is our view of God so low that it's succumbed to our personal preferences of worship? Is our view of God so low that all we care about is coming on a Sunday, making sure that our songs are right and forgetting about the, who the songs we're singing are about? No, let us worship with awe and reverence because he is a consuming fire. Maybe this morning you don't know who he is. Or maybe this morning you're someone who has been worshiping in awe and needs to be reminded to worship in reverence. Maybe you're like me and have been worshiping in reverence for a long time and need to be reminded that we, can, that we can seek his face, that he has a love for us, that it's okay to come as we are, that our own theological and doctrinal preferences don't define God. He defines God. He defines himself. Can we come and worship him in awe and reverence? And maybe... 
we can recognize that the beauty of gathering together is that we're all in different seasons of life. But that ultimately, our worship would point to who he is, regardless of where we are. And if you don't know him today, you have an opportunity to do that right now. You have an opportunity to surrender, to repent and believe the good news that Jesus has come and died on a cross for you, for your salvation, so that you could be reconciled to the Father and that one day he will return for his church. And you can do that right now. I'm gonna invite you to stand. This morning we, we will be partaking in communion and, and that's specifically for those who have repented and believed in Jesus. And what a better way to worship God than through reflecting on who he is before we partake of the cup. That we would remember to worship him in awe and reverence and that we would love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. Jesus, we thank you this morning for who you are. Father, help us to not be a church that is consumed by preferences, but that is consumed by you and who you are. Lord, forgive us of our sins as you've already done and remind us that we have new life in you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray and we all say, amen.